Nicolas Bonneurs of Capital Link, I'm delighted to welcome you to uh, a terrific uh, discussion that is going to follow between Dr. John Kusters, the CEO, founder and CEO of Danaos Corporation, and Chris Weatherby uh, from uh, City. Danaos has been an amazing turnaround story. The container sector is um, on fire in, in a good way. Uh, and uh, Chris is our partner putting together this conference. So thank you to both very much for uh, delving into this uh, interesting Q&A. And the floor is yours. Thank you. Great. Thank well, you, thanks. Yeah, and, and thanks so much, Nicholas, for, for hosting us here. And, and uh, Dr. Kousis, John, it's good to have you. Thanks so much for uh, taking a little bit of time to chat with us. I thought it'd be, you know, when, when Nicholas suggested that we had a conversation to talk about Denaus and sort of the arc of the business and where we are today, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, you know, going back to my days at Merrill Lynch, we covered Denaus out of the IPO in 2006. So we have some, some long history with the company. So it's a good opportunity for us to get to chat in a little bit more detail. But, you know, maybe one of, uh, an interesting way to start, I think, would be sort of providing some perspective to investors of the, the history of the company, sort of where you started to where you've gotten to today. It's obviously been a, a great story that's been a long time in the making coming from your father ultimately to you to the, what you've ultimately built. So maybe you could take a second and give us a little bit of a historical perspective of sort of when you took over, what you had, and then ultimately the strategy you employed to build the company to what it is today. Yeah, well, uh, as I said, the company started back in 1963, actually, with my father investing with uh, some other partners into some small, uh, uh, you know, coastal vessels at that time, small bulkers around 3,000 dead weight, <laughs> just trading within the med. Uh, you know, then uh, time passing, uh, you know, my father started the company on his own. In 1972, that's when actually Danau Shipping was established and we're celebrating 50 years, you know, this year now. And, uh, you know, slowly, uh, you know, he started really to, uh, you know, to try and enlarge the company. Of course, it was difficult times. There was a crisis back uh, then afterwards in 1973, 1975. Then the other big crisis of the 80s in shipping. Uh, so practically, you know, I got uh, back in the company when the company just had one ship. And, uh, you know, at that time we had ordered some uh, ships in Japan during the worst possible time. Anyhow, so practically from 1987, I took, let's say, full control. Uh, I started to build a company. Uh, my main uh, really issue is to try to be able to organize the company well and to put in place uh, all the necessary company infrastructure to be able to grow. Uh, I mean, most companies really fail during their growth period. And because I knew that, I wanted to to have in place all the systems that would be able to absorb growth. Uh, one of the most important decisions was in 1993, when uh, I decided to buy our first uh, container ship, fully cellular container ship of 1,500 TU, which was a monster for that time. And uh, because really uh, I was, 
we had some multi-purpose ships at the time and I was looking how the erosion of cargoes, you know, was going from the typical uh, multi-purpose twin decker into the containers. So it was obvious that containerization was the future. So I decided to invest, you know, in that sector ever since. So uh, we had, of course, a small uh, investment of uh, 12 bulkers in the period 2002 to 2007 which was a very profitable one, but uh, you know, we got out and we concentrated on containers ever since. And uh, of course, through various ups and downs, that's where we are today. Yep. Uh, we're very happy about it. Uh, there were many uh, you know, events during our history that uh, you know, were totally kind of exogenous of the business model and everything that we had. The first one was, of course, the big crisis in 2008, uh, where, uh, you know, everybody suffered and, uh, but we've managed really to get the necessary financing at the time, uh, because despite our very large order book, I mean, we had, we entered 2008 with something like 30 vessels on order, but all of them chartered. So, uh, you know, we have managed really on that kind of basis, practically to make a very successful uh, financing of uh, the whole fleet. Then the other uh, uh, very kind of odd event in the industry was the Hanjin bankruptcy that uh, you know, took a very significant toll on us. But uh, again, then uh, we were able really with the support of uh, uh, all our uh, financiers, uh, we have managed really to refinance that as well. And that was a pivotal uh, moment because uh, Really, at that time, uh, we have corrected through a debt-to-equity swap. We've corrected really the balance sheet the big way. So we entered uh, this new phase uh, in uh, of the container industry really with a very very strong balance sheet, which became uh, even stronger uh, today. So that's more or less. It's a great, uh, it's a great backdrop, and and one that has certainly seen some some ups and downs over the course of the time. I guess, you know, maybe could you put what we've seen over the last couple of years into perspective with what you've seen running the company over the last several decades, and I mean, you know, the impact of the pandemic initially, the response the supply chain dynamics that have sort of ebbed and flowed with varying degrees of congestion since then, you know, how challenging has it been to work through what we've seen here in the last, you know, call it two years or so? Well, you know, in, uh, as far as our business model is concerned, uh, we do not have in general short-term exposure. I mean, for the type of ships that we operate, uh, the typical charter, even before, let's say, the crisis, uh, it was around, let's say, 12 months, uh, not kind of less than that. Maybe, okay, let's say six months for some of the very small vessels, but 
more or less that's the typical average. So uh, we are in general insulated from uh, sudden shocks. Like for example, the one that happened during the pandemic when demand practically collapsed uh, on a very short uh, period of time. Uh, I mean, our ships were in general on charter. Okay, we had maybe few ships coming off, uh, you know, you know, in the in the following, let's say, five six months, but nothing really that would derail the company overall. Uh, so for us, really, the whole thing had to do with the counterparty risk. Yep. Because that's really, uh, really what really made the company uh, suffer back in 2016 when Hanjin went down. So today, uh, we are in a completely different environment where counterparty risk has been completely eliminated. Uh, because not only just because uh, liner companies are making money now, uh, but because actually they are saving quite a bit of money and they are uh, actually paying down debt, which means that they are becoming uh, much more, let's say, investment grade uh, in the future compared to what it was. So this definitely reflects also to the stability of our own model. Now, to me, the, the most important, uh, let's say, finding of the pandemic is that after the consolidation of the industry post Hanjin bankruptcy, uh, we have seen that uh, really liner companies, uh, exactly because they faced a real existential threat in 2020, uh, they all reacted very rationally with, uh, uh, rather than uh, cutting rates in order to fill up the ships, which in any case, the cargo was not there, they've decided really to withdraw capacity. And that was the pivotal point that saved the industry and led to where we are today. And, so, uh, yeah, and, and that is why. And actually, uh, when we look at it, the reason, I mean, when liner companies in the past were slashing rate, uh, it was for two reasons. One, uh, maybe some of the bigger guys, they thought that we'd wipe out the rest. And, you know, they were playing, let's say, this game, which was, of course, very painful for them as well. Or because some companies, uh, because of cash flow issues, they just wanted you know, to get in some money short term uh, through, let's say, increased volumes, et cetera, to supplement their financing. So uh, I, I think that the phenomenon of having, uh, let's say, a price war is to a large extent a phenomenon of weak companies that are trying, let's say, uh, I mean, for short-term gain, uh, they disregard 
long-term uh, effects. So, I mean, this lesson, uh, I think, has been uh, very clearly learned from what we have seen from the carriers. And uh, I believe that uh, they will have uh, a much more rational behavior in the future, uh, which uh, will not, uh, will definitely, uh, I mean, irrespective of the overall demand supply, uh, will, will definitely uh, make, uh, let's say, the companies to keep them on a profitable kind of footing, uh, which, as far as we are concerned, it means solid counterparties. That's right. So, so that puts container operators like yourselves in a significantly better situation than maybe where we have been in past cycles. I guess maybe a two-part question. How do you think operator or liner companies rather act as we move forward through what is a growing order book? So the deliveries of growing order books, how do you think that they operate? Do you think that they maintain the same degree of discipline with blank sailings and capacity management as we've seen? And then as, a, as an operator such as yourself, is there anything that you'd like to do? You've already diversified significantly. So to your point about counterparty risk, it's been minimized uh, in the portfolio. Is there anything that you would do potentially differently as we embark through this next potential cycle here as, as vessels begin to deliver more in earnest over the course of the next several years? Uh, yeah, as I mean, everybody knows, uh, I mean, this time we have, apart from the uh, let's say the typical uh, demand supply balance, uh, we have an ongoing decarbonization phase and uh, various, uh, uh, let's say, restrictions that are going to be placed on the ships in terms of their trading performance as far as speed is concerned. Uh, that's going to kick in from 2023. Uh, one additional factor, actually, is uh, nowadays with uh, what has been happening uh, with uh, the war in Ukraine and the effect in the energy markets, uh, it's obvious that we're going to live for the foreseeable future with a significantly higher energy prices. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't see that being resolved, let's say, within the next six months. Um, I think that it will be a kind of a much longer process, which means automatically that uh, it makes sense for the charterers to slow the ships down. Uh, and already in 2022, in 2021, uh, we had at least half a knot higher average speeds of the fleet compared to 2020. Uh, and uh, uh, actually, uh, charterers would like in the end to be able to slow down once they have, of course, the ships. Yep. And uh, actually, what's going to happen with all new ships being delivered uh, in the first phase, they're going to be used 
in order to uh, slow down the loops and uh, first of all to be able to bring uh, let's say better uh, how can I say better stability mm-hmm. in the overall trade uh, because today I mean there's no point in having let's say uh, saying that we have a 10-week uh, loop when in the end you cannot serve in 10 weeks and you need 11 or 12 because of the delays and congestions in the ports. So uh, all that, uh, there there will be significant capacity that is going to be used to alleviate uh, the network pressures. On the other hand, we have the speed and also the cost element, which will force uh, let's say the liner companies, once they have the ships, to slow them down because they will, they will be making actually much more money uh, by reducing uh, vessel consumption. Yep. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a very difficult uh, exercise overall. Uh, one thing that is for sure Uh, Now that uh, uh, everybody has realized that uh, the energy issue has to be resolved sooner sooner rather than later, uh, it means that in order to speed up decarbonization that everybody is talking about, we will need uh, definitely uh, uh, larger uh, investments. Mm -hmm. And here, of course, in shipping, uh, we still do not have, let's say, any uh, alternatives in terms of green energy. But at least if today, for example, you can uh, have a new ship that, uh, uh, let's say, is burning something like uh, uh, 20 or 30% less fuel compared to some 15 or 20-year-old ships, uh, you know, there is a lot of potential, actually, to uh, to be able to uh, uh, let's say to invest in these ships types and exactly I mean this uh, element which is under invested and over consuming is the mid size mm-hmm. and that's uh, why and also when our latest let's say investment concentrated on this on the seven thousand TU segment that uh, we believe has, uh, let's say, a very good potential for the future because it's going to replace uh, vessels that uh, are really uh, very high consumers. So if you look out over the next several years, you've obviously been at the helm of the company now for several decades, as you think out over the next 10 years, what do you think the strategy of the NAUS will be and what do you think the company might look like several years down the road from now? Well, uh, our strategy has always been to be, let's say, the uh, preferred partner for the liner companies mm-hmm. uh, because we make, uh, we invest in the right vessels. And not only we invest, but we operate the vessels in a manner that uh, is creating really not only synergies, but also benefits 
to our clients. And uh, especially, uh, I mean, today with all the efforts uh, on decarbonization, there are a lot of operational perspective that a company can uh, follow in order to help uh, customers achieve uh, uh, these goals. And we are presently cooperating with a number of our uh, large clients on projects like that, uh, which will really give us a competitive edge. Okay. That makes sense. I, I guess as we're thinking about <clears throat> wrapping it up, um, as we're running short on time, you know, if you were to think about the, the most important things you think you've learned over the course of your career and how you want to employ that as we go forward, what do you think that those are as we're thinking about the container shipping space specifically? You know, uh, in uh, the most important thing is really to try to learn from your mistakes. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying we have done mistakes, but we have never done the same mistake twice. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> That's good advice so, for people, that's right. Yeah, so we, we learn from our mistakes. Uh, I cannot tell you, you know, if we're gonna make a new one uh, because a mistake actually is something that you find out post-mortem. Mm -hmm. after it had happened. But at least I hope that for the mistakes that we have done, uh, we are, let's say, insulated. Maybe from a new one, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, certainly the, the, the path that Denaus has taken and the trajectory that you're on today is quite a good one. So yeah, I'd say it's fairly fair to say that you've uh, learned from mistakes and have uh, capitalized on those and, and turned those into opportunities as we've moved forward. So it's, it's been very interesting from our perspective to watch sort of the, the rise that you guys have had and the success that you've enjoyed over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, Dr. Kustis, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us. And thanks, Nicholas, again, for uh, allowing us to host. I thought this was a great conversation. Great to pick your brain about what's going on in the market and, and now specifically. Thank you, Christian. Thanks very much for having us. I think you're uh, actually muted, Nicholas. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, muted. I want to say thank you. It's been a terrific discussion and uh, very privileged to have uh, Dr. Kustas with us and, and Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.